Amen. Please be seated. And I invite you to open in your Bible or your Bible app to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 18 through 26. Philippians 1, 18 through 26. We're three weeks into our three-month consideration of Paul's love letter to the Christians in a city called Philippi. This week, Paul discusses life and death in the context of Christ, and that context changes everything. I'll begin reading in Philippians 1 and verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Please pray with me. Lord God, we give you praise and thanks for your presence in this world and your presence in each of our lives. We thank you this morning for the gift of Scripture, specifically the book of Philippians. In these next few moments, as we look into your word, I pray that you would give us eyes to see just what you want us to see. Give us hearts that are soft and ready to receive what you reveal. And give us conviction that's strong so we can apply what we see and understand to the way we live every day. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we pick up our text this week in verses 18 and 19, right where we left Paul last week, rejoicing. And it's continual rejoicing. Apparently, this is an ongoing experience for Paul, and it's based on his confidence in God and his confidence in God's Paul says that the prayers of the Philippian Christians and the help of the Holy Spirit will eventually bring about his deliverance. Now, deliverance can be defined as the action of being rescued or set free. So what do you think? When Paul talks about deliverance, is he talking about freedom from that jail cell that he's in as he writes this book? Or is he talking about ultimate deliverance where he will be free from his body and find himself in the presence of a living God? Or is he maybe talking about both? I think when we look at the context of this morning's passage, we can see that Paul is definitely talking about deliverance on all of those levels. In verse 20, Paul says he will not be ashamed. Paul's attention has turned toward the example he is providing to those around him. And when he talks about example, he's talking about that he would point to Jesus, exactly what Jesus was like, exactly what Jesus stood for. 
and that Paul be living a life that Jesus has asked people to do as they follow after him. But he's also talking about his specific example of living, that as people watch him in the midst of his circumstances, they would be motivated to draw closer to Jesus themselves. Paul desires to be unashamed now in the midst of the circumstances he currently faces, but he also peers into the future and he fully expects to remain unashamed no matter what comes his way, no matter what happens to him next. His only desire is to have the courage to exalt Christ, whether it's through his living or through his dying. Verses 21 to 24 find Paul suggesting to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the central idea of this morning's passage, but we'll come back to that in just a second. First, look at verses 25 and 26 as Paul talks about being reunited. As Paul finishes this section, he concludes that God will probably spare his life at this time. And Paul thinks that God will spare his life because he still has something to offer the Philippian church. He still believes that by drawing near to them, finally being free and able to live among them again, he can teach them more of Christ. He can be an example of Christ to them, and he can help their faith to grow deeper and stronger through his presence. This isn't because Paul's presence is magical. It's simply because his safe return will bring progress and joy. Progress in the ministry there and joy to the people there. And that progress and joy represents a continuing advance of the gospel, says Paul. And doesn't he have a one-track mind? It's like that's all he talks about. No matter what's happening in the world and what's happening in his life, he remains singularly focused on the gospel going forth, reaching as many people as possible, providing folks the peace, the hope, the love, the joy that they need as they make their way through life. And from here out in the book of Philippians, Paul will speak exclusively of the Philippian believers, of what's best for them and how their faith can grow. He's done giving updates on himself. It's all about them and all about their encouragement in the faith. And that brings us to the idea of living for eternity. Paul describes that in verses 21 through 24. Listen again to these four essential verses. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. To live is Christ. What does that mean? Well, to Paul, it means fruitful service to God and the people of God. And it's clear that Paul sees that this is what is necessary now. For to me, to live is Christ. But then he adds, to die is gain. Departing this world to be with Christ forever. And Paul sees this option as better by Far. Isn't that fascinating? To hear him talk about this and to know, you, you can sense his passion in the way he describes it. Now, Paul is not despondent. He's not wanting his life to end because he's tired of being in this jail cell. When he talks about 
death, and he talks about gain that's associated with death, it has solely to do with the connection he has with the living God, with the joy that he has found in this faith. And he knows that what he experiences here and now of Christ, what he experiences here and now of this love and this peace and this joy and everything that Christ brings will only be expanded when he finally draws near to Christ through his death. And so, so interesting an example coming from Paul to long in this way for life to be over, for the fulfillment of faith, but at the same time to be completely willing to remain knowing that God has plans that are still waiting for Paul. One commentator in reading these verses said this, Paul was so committed to the will of God that both life and death held certain attractions. What a way to live. How beautiful is that? Paul stands for us as an example of what that might look like. Longing someday for the fruition of all these things that we sing about all of these things that we read about, all of these things that we pray about, but at the same time, knowing that that hope and that joy, they're fresh and new for us every single day. You see, Paul lived his life in Christ. In Christ, that tiny little phrase was one of Paul's favorites. And if you spent much time reading what Paul wrote, you would know that it appears everywhere in the writings of Paul. In fact, scholars have counted and they tell us he uses in Christ 164 times in his New Testament writings. It's something he loved. And I think when Paul said in Christ, what he was describing is exactly what he describes here. To live is Christ. Living in Christ, existing in Christ means that all of life is lived in the context of Jesus' plan and Jesus' purpose. Paul trusted that God was in control. And because of this, he knew that anything that happened to him would bring glory to God, even if it was his death. He was completely at peace with this. Now, it's much easier to say to someone, I'd die for you, than it is to truly live for them. Have you ever thought about that? We always assume that's the ultimate that we could share with somebody. I would die for you. And it's a great expression of love and, and devotion. But the truth is, living for someone each new day, showing that love, enfleshing that love is the more difficult of the tasks. And Paul fully realizes that when he shares this with the Philippian believers. He is providing the example of a living sacrifice, one that he wrote about in Romans chapter 12, that what it means to be a believer in Christ is to live each day sacrificially, to enflesh that love, that our faith is not a ticket we redeem at the end of our world or something we reflect on every now and then because that's where we get to go. You know that song, I'll Fly Away, that we like to sing sometimes? Flying away is going to be great at the end, but that's not the ultimate thing. The ultimate value of our faith is right here, right now, every single day. The way that we live, the way that we love, the impact we have on our environment and on the people around us, that is the value of faith. And yes, ultimately, we will celebrate when the flying day comes. But for now, what a joy and a privilege to follow after the example of Paul, to live each day in this hope. It's easy to cling to the hope of salvation that will eventually come at our death and miss 
how that hope is meant to fuel everyday life. You could take the title of today's sermon, Living for Eternity, in two different ways. One, you could say, we're holding on just until we get there. We're living for an eventual eternity. Or, you could say we are living each day in light of that hope. And I believe that's what Paul is pushing us toward. This morning's verses aren't about death and dying. They're about life and living. And they provide a tremendous example and inspiration for us as to what that looks like. We, together, as a community, have this privilege. We share a faith in Christ, and we have that same Holy Spirit within us. But we get to make a choice in each new day that we will live according to this faith, that we will live according to this hope, and that by living according to these things, we become Christ to the world around us. That is the example of Paul. That's the inspiration he provides. And that's the call that Jesus has issued to each of us to live in just this way in the world. Let me pray toward that end right now. Lord Jesus, what it would have been like to sit with the Apostle Paul, to hear him describe with passion his desire to leave this world and reside in your presence and yet at the same time to sense in him his passion to remain so that he might continue to bring others into this same hope, this same peace, this same joy. God, help us to do the same. Help this faith that we have in you to be so large, so life-consuming that it could never be held captive to a Sunday service, never held captive to a hope just for the future, but instead that it would be the motivating force of our lives, that you would remain front and center in each new day, that you would remind us of your presence within us, your presence beside us, your guidance that is fresh in each new moment. May we, as we follow after you and the way of life you modeled for us, bring all of this same hope and this same joy to the world around us. God, we desire to live for eternity. Empower us to do just that. I pray all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.